now just sort of jump into the Word and would like to say to all of us that the book of Romans is teaching us how to live a Christian life in the midst of a pagan society. And that is instructional for all of us. So let's just go into chapter 6 and let's look at it. Now I would like for you not to just be hearers only, but internalize the Word of God, internalize the truth of God. When you internalize it, it's, as, it's like eating healthy, nutritious food, and you gain strength from it. So that's how you internalize it. And when you walk around weak, uh, you, then you know that you have not been internalizing the food that God has been serving. So let's internalize it, all right? Let's look at Romans chapter 6, and I'm going to start in verse number 5, verse, verse 5, verse 5. Uh, Paul says, for if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly, certainly, we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Now, in, in Romans 5, 6, 5, when the, the expression if is since, so he wants you to know that there is something that has happened to you that makes you different than all the peoples of the earth. As believers, we're different than all the peoples of the earth. We are different than all religions of the earth. And I go so far as to say that Christianity is not one of the faiths. It is the only God-recognized faith. I believe that. Here he's, so Paul says that since we have been united together in the likeness of Christ's death, it's a given that we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. So he gives us uh, information that helps us to understand our position in Christ. United together. What does that mean? It means born together with. So we have been born together with. We have joint origin. So Paul, that's, that's so overwhelming that God would be so generous, so gracious to us that that he would place us, as it were, unite us with Christ in his death, and it's, it's purposeful. And then he raised, he raised us, and we are united with him in resurrection as well. So that means that we are, when you think of uh, being united together with Christ, you're thinking of something that, uh, that's the word, this Greek word uh, means congenital. You know, sometimes people will say, oh, that's a congenital uh, problem. That means you were born with it. Uh, you were born with that. So you came like that. So this is not something that exists in a person or a thing from birth or from origin. So you and I, our faith began in Christ. So we are united together with Christ, one. And also it means to be implanted by birth or nature, implanted. So then our reality is Christ's reality. Whatever Christ's reality is, that's our reality, and God wants us to understand that. So when Paul uses the, the word likeness, that we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. And so those are other words that we must understand, likeness, that which has been made after something, right? So then God, as it were, modeled you and, 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 and me totally after Christ. He modeled us. We then can safely say that we are a representation 
of Jesus Christ. And that's not being bodacious and bold and speaking things that should not be spoken. But you and I cannot say that we are really a representation of Christ in the earth when we don't obey him and do what he says. So that's what God is saying to us in the midst of a pagan society. So we must, we must um, recognize the truth, although I'm speaking uh, from the United States of America, and I believe we are a great country as it were. We're the best that the world system has to offer. I believe that. But also we, we find that we have a lot of paganism and bad things going on. Even today, somebody uh, murdered at least one person and just crazily and then uh, hurt seriously, I think, four others. So, and then in Serbia, we heard something that hasn't happened there in 10 years. And uh, we may ask ourselves why. You, you can exonerate yourself by saying, oh, it's just sin in the world. Yes, it's sin in the world, but we are expressing the sin in the world by these violent acts. And these vi violent acts uh, must be uh, decried. We must speak against them and not feel like we're speaking against uh, some belief that somebody's holding, all right? So he says, for if we have been, uh, since we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing, knowing this. So uh, the scripture wants us to know some things. You know, sometimes you, you think you know some things until you realize you don't know them. And one of the things that helps us is to go through difficulty. I hate difficulty. You hate difficulty probably. I don't know anybody who says, I just love problems and pain. I don't know anybody like that. You know, I, I do not like difficulty, but I've learned to stop avoiding everything and praying that this will pass before I learn something. So Paul says, knowing this. So then all of us who are believers in Jesus Christ know something. What do we know? That our old man was crucified with him that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. And what God did in his infinite wisdom, and the more I understand it, the, the more impressed I am. I am impressed with God. I know that maybe is a shallow word, but I am impressed with God. I, I'm amazed by him. Um, I, I, I'm overwhelmed by him, that this is what he did with us. When, when Christ was on that cross, nailed to that cross, then what God says, I'm nailing all of you who have faith in him there. And, and, and so we were, we were uh, united with him in his death. And so it falls to reason that when he got out of the grave, then we did as well. So that means that we have a new reality. We have a new reality that oftentimes we don't grasp. We don't grasp. We, uh, when we're sitting in a, a church service or worship service and we're enjoying the presence of God, we feel like we're united with him. But when we go outside and someone honks at us unnecessarily or rev, uh, rev, uh, someone revs up his or her engine, uh, and now it's not just the guys, it's, it's you know, men and women, uh, revs up the engine or maybe they, they say hello to you in the wrong way, then you, you have to recognize that I've been crucified. You have to do that. I've been crucified. We want to be crucified in church, but not in, in action. Let's realize I have been crucified. So Paul says that this must be your understanding, that this is your experience that you've been crucified with him, that the body of sin may be done away with, or I'm going to talk about that in just a moment, what that means, might be done away with. 
But right now, let's look at 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 4. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 4 says, Paul says, For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He died for us according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Jesus Christ is not in the grave. We have all the great men of the earth and women of the earth. Uh, their remains are somewhere in the earth or in some tomb, but Jesus Christ is alive. That's our, that's our hope. That's our reality. And when Paul says, knowing that our old man, the person we used to be, the person we used to be. If you are still the person that you used to be, maybe in some uh, meager aspects, you, you're, you're still growing in victory. You're, you're growing in understanding. Perhaps, you know, that, that's, we're all doing that. But you should not be that same mean person that you were or that main, uh, same backbiting person or that same fearful person or that same critical person. You should not be. You should be growing in the faith. And, and, the, and the best way... To, to know what you've learned is a test. You can never say to the professor, I knew all this information, I just couldn't put it on the, on the paper. That means you didn't know it. And when you and I don't respond the way God has told us we must respond, should respond, then we don't know it yet. And so we can't say, yes, I know that our old man only intellectually. So when, when Paul says that we were crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, that means that sin is not your master. Amen. You know, sin cannot be your master if Jesus is your master. If Jesus is your master, sin can't be your master. Now look at it. It might be done away with. It means to be rendered idle, idle, you know, ineffective, unemployed. Unemployed. You know, the body of sin is, as it were, unemployed. Now, we know what unemployed people look like. That's what sin ought to be looking like. You have, my wife says, nothing to do. Yeah, nothing to do. You're just sitting there. And so it's also not only inactive, but inoperative. Have you ever walked by a piece of machinery and that machinery is inoperative? You know, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Um, it doesn't work. So also it, cause, it, cause, uh, it causes a person that is might be done away with is to cause a person or a thing to have no further efficiency. So the, the, the body of sin, the person used to be, has no further efficiency. They're not efficient in doing wrong. I don't know about you, but I could think something wrong and I, I'm, I'm repenting. What's wrong with me? I, I thought that. That wasn't right. Why did I think that? And you're generally, for men, we, you know, the, the thing I'm thinking about, well, if anybody starts anything here, you know. <laughs> I know most men do that. Most men do that. So, so but that it has no efficiency. So whenever that thought, the enemy wants to give me that thought, I said, no, I'm not going to do anything but what Jesus tells me. So then also that uh, the body of sin might be done away with to be de deprived of its force, its influence, its power to cause it to cease, to put an end to it, to do away with it, to be severed from it. So, so the Lord is saying, yeah, to be severed from it. So let's look at Romans 8.11 and see what we can find from Romans 8.11. Romans 8.11 says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, 
He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. How? Through his spirit who dwells in you. So, so let's use sense again. But since the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So the Holy Spirit of God, the very life of God, lives in every believer. Why then won't we do what he says? I didn't say can't. Why, why can't we? But why won't we? Why won't we? So the Lord wants this because, why? Because Jesus says, you are the light of the world. But it's like the world is, um, has a, a shade over the light. There's a shade over the light. What does the shade over the light look, look like? I think the shade over the light looks like we have been co-opted in many regards. That is that we follow natural things rather than the spiritual things. And you, and I, you, you know whether that's true or not. You know whether that's true. You know whether you get incensed when you watch the news about something and it sort of veers away from what you think is right. You know how you feel. When you read a newspaper article, or maybe not a newspaper article anymore, but maybe you read an article on, on, on your, your device and uh, you think people are saying this, and you go, that's not true. Then what is true? We must ask ourselves, what is truth? If I get something from the world system, is that real truth? Or is it all, if I, if I, or is it all tainted? What if I, if I, with dirty hands, handled your food? Is your food still clean? And so we have to ask ourselves, and we must be the people that Jesus died for. We must be the church that Jesus died for. I know you've heard that time and time again, but I think that John the Baptist preached a gospel, a message rather of repentance, repentance, repentance. Why? Because they weren't repenting. And so let us do that. Let's be that church that Jesus died for so that we can be a burning, shining light in the midst of a pagan society. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sister Agnes. Amen. So, so then, uh, we must realize that Jesus that lives in us by His Spirit. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, we give further support. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, we give further support. He says, in Him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. Wow. Wow. So then you and I have been circumcised, that is, from the flesh from that body, that body of sin. And now, because, because of that, we are a new person. We are a new kind of person. God wants us to understand that. He says, in him you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. That means of another creation. Come on, brothers and sisters, we have been dealt with by God in, in, a, in an amazing and powerful way. God has done something in the believer that has not been done in other uh, uh, human beings. Yeah, it hasn't been done. And so often when we look at other human beings that are unregenerate men, and we, we want to demand of them the things that God is demanding of us, and they are unable to do it, and we're able to do it, and we won't sometimes. Are you still with me? Are you still with me? I know I can be a little intense. I guess on a Wednesday night we should do something different. So what I, my, my heart, I know my mission is. I know what my mission is. And I, my mission is to, to do what I'm doing, to say what I'm saying, and to say it until some, enough of us get it that we can then go out and do what Jesus wants. That's my mission. 
And that's the mission that God has given not only me, but all of us who are in this house, that same mission. So God did something that's called made without hands, what? By putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Wow. And then Paul goes on to tell the Colossians, buried with him in baptism. Wow. I think some are thinking just that the water baptism does it. This is a baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is a, yes, water baptism is a very powerful symbol of it. it, it going down, you, you are totally alive, but you go down into death, and then you come up not just wet, but new. And this is what God wants you to know. We are new. The Bible says we are a new creation. Now, that means a, a creation of people who are unheard of before. You know, if you, if you, maybe if you lived in a family with a good name, I mean, that's a, that's a big advantage. You want to be a part of a family with a good name. Now, if, if you uh, were born into a family with a bad name, then make sure that from now on it has a good name because you're here. And you and I have been born into the family of God, and, and God has a good name. He's always good. He's always gracious. He's always kind. He's always merciful. He's always loving. God has a good name. I remember a number of years ago, this politician was, was asked by a reporter. He said, do you think that your father's name had anything to do with you winning the election? He says, yes. My father gave me a good name, and I did something with it. He did for a while, but because he was obviously unregenerate, he sullied the name further. Yes, he sullied the name further. What are you and I doing with the good name that God has given to us? Let's do something with it. Let's do something with it. Are you here tonight? Will you do something with it? You know, would you come out of yourself, come out of your own mindset and do something with it? Would you, would you recognize and then walk out the fact that the body of sin ha, uh, has been done away with in your case and that it no longer has power to sway you? Amen. Oh, can we agree to do that. Buried with him in baptism in which you also, listen, Paul says the same thing here that he says in Romans. He says that in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And sometimes because we know that God raised Jesus from the dead, sometimes we talk about it in, in such a way that I wonder if we really know. I mean, I'm amazed with being raised from the dead. I, I, I would love for you not to be so adult, and I would like for you to be a kid. Some, uh, my daughter was telling me once, uh, we were out here in the front, and she said, you know, Dad, you always were always teaching me. And I didn't realize I was always doing that. My dad was always teaching me and my mom. And so she said, I remember when you were looking up at the clouds one day, and you told me, let me talk to you about the clouds and how they're formed. She said, you were telling me all about it. Wow. Is that amazing? So this is, this is what I'm saying. Uh, that, that youthful enthusiasm that children will have and it will hang on every word. They, they, you'll, you'll talk to them about things and they're just listening. And it's like you're opening up their world to them. And so what our preaching, our teaching must somehow do that for you. Just open you up and you're like a little child saying, more, more. Like, like we were taught to do when I was in the military, you know, no matter how it was hurting, you had to say more of it, drill sergeant. More PT, drill sergeant. More PT. More PT, drill sergeant. And I would, that you would say, more of the unadulterated word of God. More of the truth of God. More, more. Yeah. That's, what, that's how we should be. 
we should be very voracious in the presence of God. Now, listen what verse 7 says, for he who, this is back to Romans 6, 7, for he who has died has been freed from sin. He who has died is no longer under sin's mastery. No longer under sin's mastery. Perhaps today, there's somebody under the sound of my voice, maybe in here or online, and sin still is dominating you in some area. Why don't you just tell it where to go? You remember how, how Jesus handled the, the, uh, the demons that were in the demoniac in the, in the, plate, uh, in the gatherings? What, what did Jesus do? He, uh, he, he said, uh, what's your name? He said, Legion, because we are many. And Jesus says, go, he said, look, if you, if, you, if you cast us out, don't, like, don't send us to the abyss. Send us into the hogs. That's how bad sin is, you know, in the hogs. But one of my mentors said, uh, Dorcas said, she said, even the pigs didn't want those nasty things. They, went, they drove, ran off the cliff. So how much more should we allow those things to stay with us? It doesn't matter what it is. You say, well, I'm just weak. No, you're strong. The Bible says, let the weak say I'm strong. Then say, let the weak confess that I'm weak. That's from the world. I said, that's from the world. No, I am strong. How am I strong? I'm strong in the strength of the Lord. Why? Because I was united with Jesus who beat death. The only man who beat death. No, I didn't help him beat death, but I rose up there with him. Amen. That's, that's the power of God. And that's who we are. So let's walk out who we are. I, I remember my parents and my dad especially saying these things to us. He, he, he reared us to, to be, he wanted, he wanted all Christians in his family. You know, he wanted everybody to walk right. And he would say things like, my children don't do such and such thing. What he was doing was he wasn't speaking what was perhaps a present reality, but he was speaking it until it became a present reality. That's what he did. And so sometimes you have to say to yourself maybe what is not there, what is not there, but you say it until it, it manifests. And you can do that. Why? Because you were raised with Christ from the, uh, from the dead. You were raised that you might walk in newness of life. You have been freed. That is, when you were raised with Christ, you, you uh, joined, as it were, uh, became a part of a new realm. A new realm where the sons of God, the sons of God rule and reign. We rule and reign. The Bible has given us the authority. Jesus has given us the authority to reign in life. That is, to, to rule like kings. You know. <clears throat> yeah. When the king says, you're dead, you're dead. Yeah, you're dead. When the king has it out for you, he says, I'm going to get you. Go get that man and, and hang him now. Yeah. You have a noose around your neck. So what he is saying to us that we must understand our place. We, we are sons of God. That means we're kings and priests. We're sons of God, born of the Spirit of God, the Spirit that God is. So that's how we rule and reign in a pagan society, not being Democrats, Republicans, and independents, but being sons of God, being sons of God, being sons of God, being sons of God. I remember my wife, as I told you a few days back, when we were, we were buying this property, 
there were just a few of us who were, who were here at the time, uh, Brother, Brother Henry, uh, the Johnsons, Sister Kemp, uh, Sister Rose, um, and uh, my wife and I, I don't know if there was anybody else here. The Max, definitely. The Max were here, definitely. And, uh, and uh, we were, we were going to come out here. We were bold and strong. We were going to come out and do what God said. And uh, my wife said, well, what if the people don't come? I said, we'll go in the house and we'll start all over again until God gives us somebody who will do whatever he wants. And that's our role. That's our mission. We must do whatever God wants. We don't do what we want. It's not what I want. It's not what you should want, independently of God. But we should do whatever God wants. That's what makes us different than all the peoples of the earth. God, God doesn't need a better politician. God doesn't need a better Democrat. God doesn't need a better Republican. God doesn't need a better Independent. God needs a better son. A son who will do whatever he wants. And I'm, I'm speaking of daughters as well, but sons who will do whatever he wants. That's what God wants. That's why I exist. If, there, if I'm not going to obey God, then why do, am I here? I, I serve no real purpose of God. So I even sometimes and often rebuke myself. And I'm, I'm seeking him as diligently as I know how. I don't know how to seek him more diligently. I love Job 23, 12. He says, I've not departed from the commandment of his lips. And whenever I quote that, I say, Lord, I have not departed from the commandment of your lips in this thing. <laughs> and I said, I have treasured the words of your mouth more than my necessary food. Yes. So that I'm saying, let us do the will of God. This is the only opportunity we have to do the will of God. Yeah. We don't want to be on vacation during the time we should be working. Okay, now, verse 8, all right? I need to make more progress, don't I? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Now, verse 8, let's, let's take if. If is not conditional, but it, it can be used conditionally and, and not lose its meaning. Uh, so Paul, if he's talking to a mixed audience uh, and he has believers and unbelievers, you could say, now, if we die, because it's not applicable to everybody in the audience. But I think here tonight, uh, it's applicable to every one of us here. So I'm going to just use since again. Now, since we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. And so we believe that that's a, a reality, that we are living with him, knowing this. This is what every. This is the second time I think we've used this in this particular text. Knowing this, and I want all, especially our young people. I see our beautiful young people here. I'm saying, knowing this. This is something you need to know. When you go into the world, you walk into the world sphere. You need to know who you are. If you don't, they'll tell you who you are not. They will. They will do that. They. They do it to all of us. All of us. Now listen, we says. Knowing that Christ, so, okay, let me go back to verse 8. Now, since we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, what do we know? Knowing that Christ, what about Christ? Having been raised from the dead, dies no more. That's the beautiful thing about us, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. So why does, why does Paul say this? You say, well, he was the son of God. No, no, it is appointed unto man once to die, but after that, the judgment. Once to die. So you and I, you and I, we only die once. Those of us in Christ, we die once. Yes. For those who don't want Jesus, they have another death. It's called a second death. Yes. 
But no, you and I can exult in Jesus Christ. Why? Because, because the Bible says, since we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ has been raised from the dead, dies no more, death, death no longer has dominion. And this is what God says of you. He said, God decided beforehand, before time began, that we, you and I, should be conformed to the image of this resurrected son. Come on, he's, a, he's the resurrected son of God. That means that he is the only man who beat death. And, and because God, in his love and mercy, grace, and his infinite wisdom, he united us with him. And when, that Jesus, when Jesus Christ, the son of God, the unique son of God, got out of the grave, that's Sunday morning. You and I got out of the grave. That's, that's Sunday morning. Come on, somebody here. We have to rec- walk, walk this out. We have to walk this out. We have to walk this out. And we can walk this out. I said we can walk it out, everybody. Let's walk it out. How do I know we can walk it out? By the Spirit who dwells in us. By the Spirit of the one who got out of the grave. This is amazing stuff. This is who we are. We're not all debil, weak. You know, sin poder, without the power. Hallelujah, amen, amen, amen. I feel like shouting back there with you. This is who we are. Let's just walk this thing out. Let's walk this thing out. You give me a couple of minutes? Just a couple. Romans 8, 29. We're going to get over there one of these days, but Romans 8, 29 says, for whom he foreknew. This is, this is otherworldly stuff. I mean, you, you, you and I have to recognize if we're of God, we are of God. But if we're of God, let's walk like his kids. You, you know, I can remember dad, my dad, personal dad, would say to me all the time, and all of us, he said, okay, we're getting ready to go out in the public now. He said, I want you to act like I've taught you. He said, now, whatever, if you don't act like I've taught you, whatever you do, I'm going to do it too. And so you don't want your, your, you don't want your, your friends seeing your dad getting on you. You know, you, know, you couldn't say, I couldn't say, I couldn't say my dad any, in any context. You know, whatever, I had to do what dad said. I did what dad said. And so we would go out because dad said this. He said, I want... What, what you are, I want it to be expressed in the public arena. Dad wanted it to be expressed in the public arena, not just at the house. But he says, you comport yourself. He didn't use that word. He said conduct. But if you conduct yourself right here at home, I want you to conduct yourself out there. I want, he wanted all men who are out there, boys and girls, to see that we were the same out there that we were at home. And this is what God is crying out for, I believe, for his church, his church to rise up and manifest who Jesus is. Amen. You know, we talk about it, but have we manifested it in our, in our comportment? All right? All right. All right. Well, well, well. Well, well. For whom he foreknew. God foreknew you. You weren't, a, you, you didn't know it, but God was intimately acquainted with you before time began. No, you weren't, you, you, weren't, you, you weren't aware of it. He foreknew you. He knew you beforehand. He also predestined. And so many believers have an issue with God predestining things when they predestine things all the time. Every time I get out of my house to come to the church, I predestined myself to get here. 
I don't get out of my, leave my house saying, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if I'm going to make it. Maybe I won't make it. Maybe I, well, wow. Well, stay at the house. If you don't have faith to drive from home here, just stay at the house. You'll do better. No. So he predestined us. Why did he predestine us? To be conformed to the image of his son. God says, I want many sons like Jesus. Jesus says, he says, he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. For I always do those things which please him. For I always. Come on, brothers and sisters. Are you sometimey or are you always? Always do those things which please him. He says, never left me alone. Never left me alone. He's never left me alone. I'm going to my seat, but he's never left me alone. He's never left me alone. Even in my ignorance and sometimes in my stupidity, he never left me alone. He never left me alone. Whatever bad scenario I created, he got me out of it. He's never left me alone. Why? Because he foreknew me. He knew me beforehand. He knew you beforehand. He predestined me, predestined you to be conformed to the image of his son, that Jesus, that he might be the firstborn, the firstborn of many brethren. You and I were born later. He's the first in priority in everything. Let's walk it out for Christ's sake. Let's don't think about ourselves. And if you're here today and you've never received Christ in your, your heart, I want you to do that today, tonight. And if you're online, I want you to do that. I know we have a first timer on YouTube. I want to just say thank you for joining us. And, and I know I've, I was quite excited tonight. I'm, I'm going to probably be excited most of the time I'm preaching because I'm amazed with God that he would do such great things for us. We didn't deserve it all at all. Don't ever have that Hollywood mentality. Oh, you deserve it. No, we didn't deserve the good things of God. We want to thank you, and I'll be back in a minute. If you want to give your heart to Jesus, amen. <laughs>